Welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast, supporting health professionals to realise a healthier future for Australians through connected healthcare. Hello, I'm Dr. Andrew Rochford and welcome to the Australian Digital Health Agency podcast. On this podcast, we'll be talking about how a digital footprint can affect you as someone who works in healthcare. We'll talk more about that, but before we begin, I would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we are broadcasting from and in which you are listening. I wish to acknowledge their continuing connection to land, sea and community, and I pay my respects to them and to elders past, present and emerging, and extend the respect to any Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples joining us today. People's reliance on digital services and connectivity has been underscored with the social distancing requirements of COVID. With increased online activity, the resultant personal data you generate requires some thought. Have you considered how much data you generate and what happens with the data you do generate? Today, I'm speaking to a wonderful panel, a group of experts working in healthcare about the practical steps they follow to manage their digital footprint, which in turn reduces the amount of personal information they create and the risk of becoming a target for cyber criminals. Joining me on the panel today is Susan Shelby, ADHA cybersecurity professional, Kelly Britnell, manager of education and training at the office of the eSafety Commissioner, Dr. Jaffley Chen, who is a doctor based in Orange, and Shane Jackson, who's a community pharmacist based in Tasmania. Thank you, everyone, for joining me. Um, I'd like somebody to answer this question for me. What is a digital footprint? And I think I'm probably going to go to Susan first. Oh, thank you very much, uh, Andrew. As you move around the internet or you use digital devices, you leave a trail of information. This is called your digital footprint. Online activities that can create a digital footprint include browsing the internet, so if you go shopping or you're booking a holiday, or if you're you know, participating in online social and professional network forums, or making online banking payments or credit card payments. Um, some not so obvious activities can include online gaming, use of entertainment devices that are connected to the internet, and also sharing your location when you're using digital maps. And more recently, the rise of smart devices, also known as Internet of Things. You know, that can be Fitbits, Home Alexas, smart TVs. They all generate data when you use them. And that's known as your digital footprint. So there's not much stuff that you do online that isn't creating part of your digital footprint. Kelly, is this something we need to be concerned about? Well, just on the back of what Suzanne spoke about, the, your digital footprint is something that from the moment we're born, our digital identity is being established. And, you know, it was mentioned before that if you're chatting with friends online or you're listening to music on Spotify or you're buying concert tickets or watching Netflix, leaving a review that you book accommodation, get on a train or a ferry and you use a, a card to swipe, you are making a record of information and you're leaving a trail of information. And so as we get older and the more we engage in technology, our digital footprint grows. So, so what are some of those key reasons why we need to be conscious of how we manage our digital footprint? Kelly? Well, one of the things we know is that identity theft continues to be one of the most common crimes in Australia. And 
you know, some of the economic impacts of this particular crime we know exceeds $2 billion. That, you know, like that's a lot of coin. That We, we know that the Australian Institute of Criminolo Criminology talks about one in four, four Australians being a victim of identity theft. And kind of linked to that is the whole dating and romance scams, which have cost Australians in the last financial year about $28 million. And so, you know, we have to be very conscious of, you know, personal information and how it's used. And in the work that we do at the eSafety Commissioner, we're seeing some of the issues of this sharing or people getting access to information coming through in domestic violence situations. So when relationships break down, Digital information can be used as a form of technology-facilitated abuse, um, and this is where a former partner might have access to their ex-partner's accounts because they know passwords, or they can access financial information. They might be able to track or, or try and track a person because the victim is leaving breadcrumbs of where they're going or where they've been. And so it's really important that, given that we know technology can be used for coercive control, we need to, you know, limit the access to some of this personal if information uh, where we can. Jaffley, how conscious are you of your digital footprint? Well, it's, it's very hard in this digital and connected world to, to not have a digital footprint. And especially being someone who's fairly young, I, I understand that I spend a lot of my time online and people or organizations are keeping track of what I'm doing. And that's that's not always necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it does provide a lot of convenience and it's easier for me to find the things that I want to, want to find because of this digital footprint. That being said, because I'm young, I know I've got a long career ahead of me and that's all, all the more reason to be aware of what I am sharing or not sharing, what I'm able to keep track of um, that's online, especially when you're trying to build a brand if you're you know, uh, running, running a small business like most a lot of medical professionals are. And for that reason, um, I actually do think it's quite important to um, understand what some of those, well, some of those techniques that you can use online to make sure that you want only what, other, what you want other people to know about um, being online. Do you do specific things to try to manage your digital footprint? I guess, you know, I, I know that it exists. I'm somebody that's online and doing different things, but I, I wouldn't necessarily say that I do anything specifically to manage. Do you think I should be? And, and what are some of the things that you do? I, that's a great question, Andrew. And there's two main areas I'd, I'd look at first off. So one is uh, what you're doing before you even post anything. So really thinking about whether or not you actually need to post something, especially stuff that has to do with uh, personal information. And even, even before that, thinking about what sites you're actually uh, visiting, what uh, what links you're clicking. I mean, I, I know I have more than a handful of stories of people who have clicked on things that look legitimate and all of a sudden their you know, social media accounts are hacked and it's really hard for them to even prove their identity to get back in. So that's the, the first thing you need to do. Um, while, while you're using uh, some of your social media accounts or even you know, just on the, on the general um, internet, you know, you've got to make sure that your uh, passwords are secure. And we've got some great information um, at the agency about using things like password managers. And, and then afterwards, after you've done um, browsing the internet, uh, doing what you need to do online, making sure that your browser history or uh, some of those cookies that the organizations are using to track what you're doing are actually cleared. And, you know, making sure that if you're going to use something like a browser extension to remove those cookies or you know, assist you in um, some of those activities to make sure they're actually legitimate and you know who's kind of running the scenes behind the show. Shane, 
from your point of view, what are some of the risks um, of a digital footprint, especially for healthcare professionals? Uh, thanks, Andrew. That's a, that's a great question. And I, and I think people being aware that they have a digital footprint. And that digital footprint in the digital world is your reputation. And I think in the non-digital world, we as health professionals and individuals, you know, we take our reputation seriously and, and we make sure that we try and uphold that to the highest regard that we can. So, you know, a digital identity and your digital footprint is your online uh, reputation. And I think being aware uh, that whatever you do in a digital world reflects on you and can reflect quite broadly is the first step in, in managing any uh, aspect of, of your digital reputation. And I think that that's, that's really important. I think as a health professional, we need to be aware that most of us work in teams and most of us work in whether it be large organisations or, or small organisations and understanding and, and being involved in from an organisational perspective uh, that uh, organisations have social media policies, uh, uh, you know, digital security policies and being aware of those, having input into those and making sure that they're upheld helps you manage your own reputation in that digital environment but also that of your colleagues as well, because we all know that there's some people that we might work with, whether that be in the health space or in the non-health space, that sometimes uh, don't manage their digital uh, uh, reputation, I suppose, as well as what they could. Uh, and I think that there's an opportunity to for, for each of us to um, encourage people to, to do the best that they can in that online world when it comes to their reputation, uh, because it is there as a health professional, it's something that they need to uphold uh, uh, importantly. Susan, do you have anything to add to that? Uh, looking at it uh, from uh, a cyber security view, is that the information that you generate by moving around on the internet, and as everyone's pointed out, how that's created, that information is then gathered up by cyber criminals or even other, I guess, malicious actors. And they then use that information to create very targeted phishing campaigns. And it's with the phishing campaigns, they make it an email seem so personal and genuine and that you're probably expecting it just based on the information you've provided on the internet. They can work out where you work, uh, who your boss is possibly, uh, what your particular position is, whether you've recently been to an event. They can make it very genuine. And all they do is they can put in a link, they can put in an attachment that is malicious and you click on it and that's how ransomware attacks actually happen in the healthcare sector, which, you know, is a target for malicious actors. Just recently, the US and the Australian security agencies have put out alerts saying that Australia is now actually being targeted. Is that something we need to be worried about? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, it's something that we have to be aware of and it's, I guess, a reason why we're making this podcast is to let people know that, you know, if you share too much information online, it can be used for, you know, some really malicious purposes. So you've just got to really think about what what you put up online and how you manage it. Kelly, do you know anyone that's had their identity stolen? I'm sure you do, <laughs> or have been a victim of a cyber attack. Well, I think probably most people do, and that's the concerning thing. Um, I do have a close friend who um, operates his own self-funded, you know, super fund, and um, very, very cluey person um, has, you know, been around the traps and knows how things work. But it was 
a an email, an unexpected email, but it looked like it could be absolutely, you know, genuine and, um, you know, had some money taken from that fund. Um, but at the moment, I'm actually um, getting a renovation done. And my architect said to me, when we sat down to sign the contract with the builder, um, with your first payment to, to your builder, um, don't send the full amount. Um, you know, if it say was, you know, the first payment was, you know, $6,000, um, she suggested that, you know, just send a thousand and uh, the builder will confirm um, because they've actually in their own small architect business had two cases where someone has intercepted that first lot of invoicing and people have handed over a significant amount of money. And the problem is it's often very hard uh, to get that money back. Um, and, and, you know, the, the banks do a really good job in, in, in terms of um, trying to catch some of these things before they happen. But we do know that um, you know, in our line of work at the e Safety Commission, Commissioner, we we actually take complaints from Australians in relation to a few things. One is serious cyberbullying for under 18-year-olds, and the other area is image-based abuse. And what we find is the top reasons why, you know, people are being um, cyberbullied, particularly young people, is impersonator accounts. So someone, you know, taking on the identity of someone else for the purposes of then you know, causing trouble for that person or sending, um, you know, information out to others. So it looks like that person. Um, with the image-based abuse team, any Australian can report to us if they've got an intimate image that's shared online and people are creating accounts for the purposes of sharing someone's intimate images. So, you know, it, it, we probably see it in, in a different way than, say, the, you know, typical cybersecurity area, um, but we know that often there's a social engineering element to getting personal information. And, and, you know, I think Suzanne talked about that where you might get an email that looks like it's from a friend claiming that they've lost their password and they, you know, require your password to access um, the, the social media site. But in fact, someone's already hacked it and, they're trying to then ingratiate themselves to get your information by posing as a friend. So, Jaffley, have you been a victim of, of a cybersecurity breach? Well, uh, a younger and more naive version of me did have this, uh, have this incident where an organisation I was working with uh, did run a test phishing scam and I unfortunately clicked, clicked the link. It looked very official uh, as if it came from within the organisation itself. And there were a few uh, obvious telltale signs uh, in retrospect where it, um, it I, I could have, I guess, identified that earlier. And I think the important part to take away from that is that it can happen to anybody. Uh, I would also say that even today, uh, when I am looking at my emails, I will often get emails that are for two-factor authentication, which is basically you use your password and your uh, username to log in, but then it asks for an extra step, whether it be a text message to your phone or a uh, email to uh, or an email with a with a code to put in to, to to log in properly. And the fact that I'm I'm getting these emails means that somebody out there has my information and is trying to log in, but the only reason they can't get in is because I'm using an extra layer of security. What's important is to uh, do 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 what you can to one keep up to date with your passwords, making sure you don't really just have one password that you're using and uh, making sure you're using different passwords. But also there are services out there where you can actually 
check your digital footprint in terms of has your password been leaked in the past or you know even googling yourself and seeing you know what information is up there stuff that you know you may have control over when it comes to taking it down from the internet so i mean to answer the question yes i've uh unfortunately fallen into some traps before uh, but at the same time uh, i know that this information is still out there and it's important to keep up on keep on top of it so that you can protect yourself in the future thanks jeff lee shane you've got something to add uh, yeah, so not that I've been a, a victim of a cyber attack or identity stolen, but uh, about a couple of years ago, I, I posted a, a, a post on, on Twitter and um, that post was in reference to my daughter who uh, had a report card come home from school and she didn't do very well and she has a diagnosis of, of autism and uh, I... I wrote her a report card and and gave it to her and and uh, something said to me oh you should you should share that and so I took a, an image of it and I I put it on Twitter well that that post went what I would say viral um, had something like you know over three million views on on Twitter and it's not something I c could control uh, and that. That, well, that was con of concern to me because I was, you know, I had a digital reputation and I had a digital footprint that was not being controlled by me and uh, uh, people were linking to it. You know, they went to my Facebook page, they they took photos from my Facebook page and, and put on online articles. Uh, and what that was, was a, was a you know, a real wake up call uh, around my security uh, of my uh, social media presence but also to, to say to myself, do I need to do this? Should I do this? And if I do, am I comfortable with, with um, uh, whatever I might say uh, being shared you know, very, very widely? And I think that that was a, a bit of a salient uh, uh, reminder, and it is a salient reminder for everybody who has, who, who has a social media presence to, to think about what they do, to try and learn from what they do and to try and make themselves as safe as they can be. Yeah, I think you guys all raised very good points and great motivation to why we, we do need to pay attention to our digital footprint and figure out ways to manage it. Kelly, to you first, any tips on how we might best manage our digital footprint? So in managing your own you know, digital footprint, it's about being conscious, firstly, of the personal information that you share on things like social media. Um, there might be a need to limit that personal information if you realise, you know, you've been giving too much information you know, away. Um, I, I would always, always recommend people not to use public Wi-Fi if they're banking, if they're using social media, um, if they're doing anything of a personal nature. We know those networks are not as secure. Um, in your home environment, maybe consider, um, and also your work environment, using a virtual private network. Um, even things, and we know these are the basics, quality antivirus software um, is also going to be of help to you. Susan, do you have other tips that you might be able to add? Some about making a habit of obviously perhaps Googling yourself and trying to see what is my online identity? What does it look like? You know, as we've mentioned, some of that information you actively are aware of and then there's other information which is collected on you and then can be reused. And by making it a habit of just checking what is my online identity? What does it look like? What What is out there? You can actually make it a, you know, a monthly 
habit to just do that and then clean up your digital footprint and only have what information you're happy with out there. Shane, to you, any tips that you might be able to offer that could be helpful for people managing their digital footprint? Yeah, I, I think it's probably already been been stated, but uh, I think the key being being aware of your digital footprint uh, and uh, as, as stated before, uh, checking what, what that is, you know, so typing in your name and, and perhaps your profession and where you might work and any other affiliations that you have to see what that is, if it's incorrect, seeking to, to correct it so that you, you are managing that. Like I said before, it is your reputation uh, in a non-digital world, we really act to manage that reputation. So we should do that in a digital world as actively as we can. Jaffley, what advice would you provide to other health professionals about managing their digital footprint? A lot of what uh, my fellow podcast mates have said already, but one thing that might be uh, important to also consider is that Obviously, you're not the only person that uh, posts about yourself and there are friends and family and the organisations you work with or for who can also post. And in knowing that, it's important to have that conversation if you are concerned about the things that they might post. Or well, the other thing to consider is what to do if uh, you, your information is out there and you, know, you don't want it up there or it, it, some other personal information that could be detrimental to your practice as any kind of health professional. What, what do you do in that case, right? Uh, so we've talked a little bit about if something that more on the personal side to be um, contacting the, the hosts of uh, either that website or maybe the web administrators to um, inquire about the possibility of having that taken down. Um, and if it's more to do with the professional side of things, there are also other avenues uh, to uh, having that that situation looked into further. So whether that's with um, the uh, eSafety Commission or the cyber, Australian Cyber Security Centre, um, ID Care, which provides support for victims of cybercrime and identity threat, um, those are just some of the organisations that you can turn to if you do need help. Thanks, Jaffley. Uh, Susan, just finally, can you give some help when it comes to people finding the right resources and looking to learn more about being safe online? Jaffley has mentioned some great organisations and information sources that can help you. The agency itself does have a, a fact sheet. Listeners are interested in actually doing a little bit more reading on managing your digital footprint. We also have a digital health security awareness course, which is free for anyone to undertake. And as we mentioned, it is all about being aware of what you do online. So there's that. And also there's the Office of the Australian Information Commissioner as well, which uh, has uh, information regarding if you're a victim of identity fraud. But uh, I think Kelly probably can elaborate more on what uh, eSafety Commission has in terms of uh, extra information for people to keep them safe online. Thanks, Suzanne. Well, we've, we've actually got a couple of things and I might I might share it, um, the, the link in terms of a, a great little video we've got called Digital DNA, which really lo looks at the fact that with our digital footprint, um, parents are posting ultrasounds of their children um, in utero, their footprints are starting already. And, and it's, a, it's a good 
look at how that goes throughout from cradle to grave, really. So I'll share that link. But also, we've got some great information. And I know a lot of health professionals will be working with older Australians. Um, the Be Connected website is set up for them and has great information to try and protect older Australians who may not have been educated like um, you know younger people now are being taught some of these basics around how to keep safe. So um, the Be Connected website and the esafety.gov.au website has a lot of good information that I, I think people uh, will find valuable. No, absolutely. It's um, a wonderful conversation. Thank you to everyone. It's an interesting topic, one that affects all of us nowadays, unless you are living in a cave and you're not connected to the internet in any way. And it's a topic which highlights how each and every one of us can play a part in keeping ourselves safer online and in turn, make the internet a safer place for everyone. So thank you to everyone for listening today. And we hope you will join us again next month as we continue to explore cybersecurity in healthcare. 